Well, it's been a week of firsts here on RN Drive. First, a new start time, uh, a bit of a refresh of the regular segments as well. Uh, one of those now on a Friday is going to be all about sport. But before you groan, uh, these conversations are not about the points or the injuries or who's playing who in what position. Uh, each Friday, I want to take a deeper dive into the world of sport, its personalities, and how it explores, I don't know, let's, let's explore how it intersects with everything in modern life, politics and more. This week, we can't go past the Australian Open, which has been overshadowed by international politics, following some controversial flag-waving by pro-Russian supporters. Joining me is the nicest man in the game of tennis, Christopher Clary, is the widely read New York Times tennis correspondent and author and friend of RN Drive. Welcome back to you, Christopher. Hey, great to hear your voice again. Let's start with some breaking news this afternoon. Novak Djokovic's father has said he won't attend tonight's semi-final after he posed with a Russian flag and supporter wearing a T-shirt featuring the Z symbol outside the arena. Uh, what do you think? Was he deliberately signalling support for Russia or did he kind of get swept away in the moment? What's your read? You know, his statement is makes it pretty clear that he got swept up in the moment. Um, I think he's been going out regularly after Novak's matches. I mean, he hasn't been to Australia for a while. Um, he's a, He is a bit of a lightning rod, no question, throughout Novak's career. has said a lot of things that are pretty inflammatory, to be honest. Also played a huge role in Novak's career and supporting him early on and having that faith in his son to give him the power to become a great player. But he's been a distraction here for sure, and he knows it. So he said he's going to not show up tonight for the match. And he said he had no intention of of being caught up in all of this and he was just posing for pictures and he seems to indicate from this statement that he didn't realize you know who he was posing for pictures with and and wasn't trying to uh, make any any grand statement by his actions notwithstanding that explanation surely it's still pretty distracting for Djokovic I mean he's got laser focus as we all know but do you think it, it will play a role in his performance look Novak has certainly learned how to block out a lot of things in his career, but this is unfortunate for him, for sure. I mean, he's come down to Australia trying to, uh, you know, basically uh, start fresh after all the things that we all know happened last year with the deportation and the and the issues and the vaccination. And it's been a pretty clean run until now, honestly. I mean, he's been able to, I think, create a lot of good vibrations, play some great tennis. This is really the last thing that he needed <laughs> was yeah. his father creating something like this. Obviously, Novak is not his father, um, and he's had to answer for his father many times, and, and here he is again. But he has become a master at blocking things out, so I, I don't expect it's going to affect him too much on the court. Sticking with the theme, I want to play this clip from two-time Australian Open champion Victoria Azarenka and what can only be described as a vicious volley directed at journalists during her post-match press conference. Let's take a listen. I, I don't know what you guys want us to do about it like talk about it I, I i don't i don't know what's what's the goal here are you a politician are you are you covering politics yes and i'm a sports I, and i'm an athlete what do you think christopher i mean she's kind of got a point right well it's interesting because i mean that has to be seen in context i mean basically azarenka is from belarus has lived in the u.s for ages is in uh, Boca Raton, Florida now as a base, but she's she's still a Belarusian in terms of representation is a huge national symbol there. You know, she's been in the focus on this issue with the war in Ukraine uh, for months now, um, close to a year, been asked about it a lot of different ways. She was supposed to take part in a exhibition at the U.S. Open back in September that was kind of be a, a certain night of support and fundraising for Ukraine, which was a bit of a risky move on her part as a Belarusian star. 
and basically the Ukrainian players um, all kind of bonded against it and said, we don't want her involved. She's a Belarusian. She shouldn't be involved in this. So she had to pull out. So I think even when she's tried to make some positive gestures in the last, um, you know, year or so, they've been uh, I've rebounded back at her. So I think I think it's a difficult subject for her to address anyway. And I think she's learned that no matter what you say, she's right. It'll be filtered through a the prism on the war and, and really you can't win as an athlete in her situation talking about it openly. I was surprised that she engaged to that degree, to be honest with you. And then she went after uh, the reporter that way because it, uh, here we are talking about that. Exactly. It's like a, 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 a rather than taking a position, it's a non-position, and that seems to have uh, occupied a lot of the column inches since then. Let's uh, look at the men's tennis, an exciting semi-final being played out between Stefanos Tsitsipas and Karen Kashinov. I think Tsitsipas uh, currently in the lead, taking the first two sets, 7-6, 6-4, uh, all in the third. His potential win, setting up a final appearance with the winner of the Djokovic uh, Tommy Paul game tonight. What are your predictions? Well, Sitsipas just served for the match, his first place in an Aussie Open final, and, and he uh, he didn't hold. So it's back to five all in the third, but he certainly has the edge. He's been playing great tennis, uh, very consistent, very aggressive, a nice blend of the two. Seems to be uh, feeding off the crowd, all the supporters that he has here in Melbourne. Um, playing some great tennis. So I think he's he's the guy I'd pick to come through that match still. And um, obviously you have to pick Djokovic, distractions or not, against a guy like Tommy Paul, who's never been this deep in a Grand Slam before, as you know, American, 25 years old, fine player, but nowhere near the resume of Djokovic. You know, Djokovic has never lost a semifinal in Australia before and has won nine finals out of nine. So he's the man to beat. But I honestly think from the beginning, Tsitsipas is the guy who has the game to potentially trouble him. And it could be a great final, even though Novak doesn't remember their first final, yeah. <laughs> the Roland Garros in 2021. He sort of had a problem with that, remembering the actual match, but it was a good one. And this, this could be a good one too. So setting aside the flag in your passport and any, uh, well, I would never call a man if your stature uh, biased, but certainly setting aside your nationality for a second, Tommy Paul is the first American semi-finalist at the Australian Open since Andy Roddick back in 2009, I understand. Are we looking at a resurgence of the men's uh, game, the American men's tennis here? Yeah, Andy, we are. I think it's been a nice uh, upswing for the U.S. men for the last year or so. We're going to have 10 American men in the top 50, which is the most in 25 years uh, on Monday. The thing is, is there a true Grand Slam champion or Grand Slam dominator in the crew? The jury really is out on that, and I would I would suspect not. But there are an awful lot of very, very good players in that crew, including Sevi Corda we saw you know play so well in this tournament, and um, also um, Ben Shelton who was surprise quarterfinalist, Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafa, who was in semifinals last year of the U.S. Open. So there's a lot of exciting things happening in men's tennis, but the bar is very, very high. With Djokovic still playing, Carlos Alcaraz, Holger Rune, young talents like that still on the game. So it's, it's hard to say how these Americans will do, but we're definitely on the upswing. So just briefly, I mean, has this tournament been less exciting for you covering this? Uh, how many times have you been covering the AO? I came here for the first time 30 years ago. Uh, 1993, and Jim Courier jumped in the Yarra River with his coach Brad Stein. That's right. Uh, wrinkles. Yeah. yeah, I remember. So it's been a long time. It's been amazing to watch the Melbourne grow and watch this tournament grow into one of the truly great events in sport again and regain its stature. This year's event is certainly uh, less newsworthy than last year's. Well, <laughs> when the entire pl- entire standard was talking there. about Novak. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it was a it was a knotted sports story last year. It was a massive news story. So it's a different vibe, 
and obviously not having Curios in the in the tournament, Mash Barty retiring, not having Federer, no Serena, no Venus, huge, you know, drop in star power. I guess that's been felt in the ratings here in Australia on TV. That's not surprising. But, you know, tennis is at a bit of a transition, and this tournament, frankly, has not grabbed huge attention in my country compared to Australian Open's past. Well, it's uh, lovely to have you back on the radio, Christopher Clary. Always a pleasure. Uh, Christopher is the New York Times tennis correspondent. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks so much. You're with Andy Park. This is RN Drive. It's 16 minutes past five. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.